I just want to be a drunk white guy in China. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And hate it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Disembodied Voices. Wait a sec. What? what? You're not Brian. How do you... You can tell? Yes. Do you have superpowers? We've had this conversation before that I can tell you two apart, and you are definitely not Brian. Wow, my cover's been blown by someone who can, you know, detect very, uh, very minute patterns in audio frequencies. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the truth. I tried to tried to get by with it, but yeah, I'm not Brian, but I'm still hosting today. My name is Steven. I'm Brian's brother. Hi, Steven. And Brian was killed in a freak boating accident. Uh, so he will he will not be with us today. Um, we'll work on some dark... Can I have stuff? Well, no. I mean, (laughs) you had to hire a moving truck, and that's no good. Okay. I just walked downstairs, and it's all mine. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you get it first, Dibs. Not fair. Well, Cameron, thank you for joining us on this momentous occasion of Disembodied Voices. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Episode 141. Did you say all that stuff? I don't know. For September 16th, (laughs) 2014. And thank you as well, Zachary. We're very happy to have you here. Yeah, I am I am thrilled to be here today. If I seem extra hyper, it's because I was napping recently and I'm trying very hard to get myself on the mood to podcast. Yeah, um, I was asleep 45 minutes ago, so I kind of feel you there. Okay, that's good. Very jealous of all of you. I had to wake up early to catch the UPS man. I'm very tired. I'm very well, sorry. Admittedly, it was only an eight-minute nap, so it's not like I was slumbering all I still would have... Enjoyed and possibly would have benefited from an eight-minute nap. Well, we'll end this podcast eight minutes early. Eight minutes early. <laughs> eight minutes early. An eight-minute nap at the end. Uh, so okay. okay. Look forward to that. It'll be your carrot on a stick. Mm. So, I was thinking about something today. Okay. Thinking about old episodes of Disembodied Voices. Um, and I realized that none of us really play very many video games anymore, with the possible exception of you, Zachary. I, I play a lot of video games as it is sort of my job now, a job that I don't get paid for. Uh, the best kinds of jobs, because <laughs> you have to have your heart in it. Um, but, I mean, it's it's really kind of weird, I guess, to like look at both sides of it to... Like, you know, when you're young, when you're growing up, you're like, you know, man, I wish I had no school so I could just stay home and play video games all day. And I'm fairly certain that at that age, if I did not have school, I actually would have stayed home and played video games all day and, and like, yeah. and like would not have gotten tired of it at all. Well, but- when I was homeschooling <laughs> as a child, um, I could stay home. I couldn't do it all day, but I could play video games, but I had a, a an imposed timer on my video games, right. so that didn't work out for me, but continue I, your point. Yeah, which actually, funny enough, as an aside, uh, I had no timer, but for the first, like, five years, I had to play in the living room, and so I had to share with my family. Mm, natural um, consequences. Yeah, but then after that, they bought me my own TV, and I went down to my room, and I had all the, the game consoles to myself, because nobody else in, in my family played games, so... It was yes. just me down the basement being a gamer in the basement playing video. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but. Yeah, but it's it's, <laughs> it's pretty gamer with a capital um, G. But yeah, I mean, like it's it's kind of weird though. As like you grow older, you, I mean, like I don't know if it's a consequence of just like the fact that I could you know only maybe play like one or two games a year growing up because my family not having a lot of money and I maybe would get like you know one or two games for Christmas and those games had to last me all year whereas now I get like five six seven eight nine ten a month depending on whether or not there's a steam sale uh, <laughs> yeah yep uh, <laughs> and well, I mean with humble bundle I get a steady flow of dozens of games every month or so. Yeah. Maybe that's slightly stretching it. Yeah. Mini games. But, like, I don't know if it's, like, an oversaturation of games that makes it so that you don't like playing them as much anymore to, I guess, like, you I mean, like, it's, I mean, like, I can get, like, really engrossed in something, you know, case in point being, like, you know, Tales of Zillia 2, two, two, two weeks ago. I sunk like 124 hours into over the span of two weeks. Like that, so it still happens. That rarely happens, but I mean, 
it can happen. Whereas now, you know, after I've, you know, gotten that out, out of my system, I haven't found anything yet to, like, you know, really take its place. And so I'm just kind of, like, you know, jumping around game to game, trying to find something that can, like, you know, hold my attention for more than a, you know, for more than a few hours. And then I, and then I end up getting bored and I end up going and doing something else. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, you know, as a kid, even if the game was boring, I, I like, you know, still would have just sat there and played it. <laughs> yeah, that's why Brian and I played through all of Spyro until the Dragonfly. There was no reason, no one was forcing us to do that by gunpoint or, or nothing. We just did. Yeah. Um, I think it's a combination of many things. Uh, part of it is just the fact that when you're a kid, things are fun. Things are, <laughs> are just, and you when don't know when they're not fun. And, and when you're an adult, you become a jaded cynic and just hate yeah, fun. pretty much. You definitely can. I think at least you're not critical when you're a kid. And when you are critical, you're like, this is so stupid. This is just, I can't believe they did this. I'm going to keep playing it for 17 hours. You know, it's like you're less picky about how you spend your time, I guess. Um, but we definitely had this conversation on disembodied voices before and it comes up every once in a while. Yeah, we have had it many times, mostly due to Cameron being like, I don't like games anymore. And the next week, I love games now. No, I never, I never went back and said I love games. No, he still (laughs) hates video games. (laughs) I don't know why he's on this podcast. Well, Um, like, oh, he likes some games. He, I'm I'm just, I'm like, you can, you can go back and play your favorites. That's true. It's um, just the modern games industry has nothing for you. I guess. Um, I still have the problem, just like you described, is finding games that hold my interest for longer than 27 seconds. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird. What it has largely become for me, and this is not the greatest thing to be into when you're hosting or at least being part of a weekly podcast, um, I tend to really focus my energy on just one or two games now. Like, I play... Blizzard games a whole lot. I play Hearthstone every week. I play Minecraft just about every week at this moment in my life. I play World of Warcraft oftentimes multiple times a week. I get really into these deep engrossing games that truly hold like this spirit of what I love about games um, and that never end and that are just exceptionally large and have great communities and, and, and stuff. So, and that gives me less time for the hundreds of games I have on Steam and on my shelf, but that's kind of okay because... I'm getting something out of it, and it's like a consistent thing I can fit into my day. Like, I only have 20 minutes to play a game today, but that's going to be enough to f- finish a couple of quests in World of Warcraft, or that's going to be enough to play a few matches of Hearthstone, and that's a very satisfying way to go about it, I find. Hmm. Which is actually really weird for me because, like, I... Because... Like, I mean, like, like, you know, with you and Brian, you tend to, I mean, like, you know, now, like, rent games instead of buying them because, you know, you can save money that way and, you know, you don't want to actually, like, you know, you're more, like, you guys are, like, more, like, um, uh, interested in the act of playing games instead of just, like, you know, wanting to own them. Right. That, that's interesting. Um, I think that's actually shifted in the past year or so. Okay. Uh, because we canceled Gamefly. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> a while, quite a while ago. We don't okay. own, you know, an Xbox One or a PS4. Right. Um, and I think right now we're more interested in quality over quantity. Um, and if we go for quantity, it's usually for, like, one of our birthdays where we try to buy, like, a bunch of old, obscure, interesting games um, that we definitely enjoy owning. We we actually put a lot of work into our... our uh, our, our game shelf and our game collection. And I think you were right about us maybe a year or two ago. We kind of changed to the point where we're becoming a little more focused on enjoying and keeping up the collection that we have, but not right. being so interested in playing all of the new stuff that's coming right. out. That's, that's kind of like how I've been for the past, like, you know, three or four years is that I've like, you know, kind of shifted away from like, you know, just enjoying the act of, like, you know, playing games, which was, you know, me for years where I would, you know, go out and buy a game, then beat it, then trade it in, you know, get some credit to to go buy, you know, to go buy, like, you know, like some other game. Whereas now it's, like, I have, like, 400 game cases behind me full of things <laughs> that I probably will never play. But it's just, like... Wanting to own these things, wanting to own a piece of, I mean, like, you know, like, this, 
this piece, I mean, like, of history, no matter how small it may be. I mean, like, I buy some really bad games, but I buy them because I kind of feel that, like, if I don't buy them, nobody else will, like, you know, years from now, like, you know, like, um, uh, will be able to took a call what this game was, what it meant to people, you know, like, which, you know, for some games, it's an overbearing, I mean, like, it's an, it's an overwhelmingly, like, you know, like, very negative kind of, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. thing. But, like, if you were to buy Duke Nukem Forever, clearly, because it's a historical right. artifact. Right, yeah. But, but you should never buy that. <laughs> Cameron, I'm still game. upset with you for choosing that path. <laughs> but it's just, like... There's just something really neat about just, like, owning these games that you may or may not ever play, but just having them with you, you kind of feel like you have a connection with them, even though you have no idea what the game is about or, or what it, like, entails. Just just it's sitting on your shelf. You can just be like, hmm, yep, I own that game, and I have no idea why, but I feel really good about it. <laughs> I kind of get that, actually. Um, I'm definitely not to that level, but to me, maybe it's more like I could own the digital version of Star Fox 64, and it would actually be better than the original, but I enjoy the, the history and the nostalgia and just the, the novelty of seeing the actual hardware plugging into the actual hardware. Right. Um, yeah. And that kind of thing yeah. is ve- is very interesting. And yeah. it's kind of like you have a little museum in your house. Yeah, that's uh that's my room has been called that more than once. <laughs> and then someone comes in, you're like, "Look at all this." And they're like, "Hey, rock band guitars." No, no, look at the thing over th- All right, let's play rock band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that friend was Cameron. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nobody ever really notices that I have, like, you know, Batman Gotham City Racer sitting on my shelf very proudly. But, you know, nobody cares about that. I don't even know what that is. It was a a Batman Kart Racer made back in 96. Wow. That's a it's a It's a really bad game, but I own it because I think it's funny that there was a Batman Kart Racer. It is funny that there was a Batman Kart Racer. Uh, Cameron, how do you feel about all of this? Well... (sighs) I don't know, it's, I've, I've pretty much already said my piece about this uh, particular topic a couple of podcasts back when I talked about my whole rant about me not liking games, so I don't really have too much more to add, I suppose. Um, I just know that it's been hard for me to play games in general anyways, because it's just, um, I've been so busy with real life, but even when I have the time, I just usually don't end up playing uh, anything in particular. Uh, I do have games to talk about this week, which is unusual for me. Um, but I don't know. I think I've already said my piece. I'm also all that. And that's kind of why I brought this up in the first place. Um, because this is becoming almost a weekly occurrence. You, Cameron, may have played a game. I played two this week. Oh, see, and that's extraordinary. Back in the day, two years ago or so, you would have played eight, and we would have talked about all of them twice or something um and but now it's kind of like ah i played darkness which we talked about two years ago already but i played 30 minutes of it and brian and i were like we played more of this rpg and then another rpg that we've talked about before and then zach admittedly does come in and say i played a new jrpg or or seven um (laughs) but you know otherwise it's kind of like same old, same old, uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, um, but it certainly changes disembodied voices a little bit. It's weird. It is weird, mm. um, and I, I don't know, I, I think it's just maybe a case of all of our lives are moving on in different directions a little bit, um, but also we should be able to come back to video games, but man, there's just not been anything that... The Evil Within, I'm really, really, really excited uh, for that game because it's right up my alley. It's a game that was made by the creator of my favorite game of all time, which is Resident Evil 4, one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm really hoping that that game can draw me in like RE4 did. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm giving it really high expectations. Um, uh-huh. so I've if heard it's... some pretty ugly things about it right. so far. Yeah, but ugly things are good in this game's case. Well, I mean, like, this game looks lame, kind 
of things. What? I had never heard that before. Yeah, I have... I mean, I mean, like, from everybody that I've, like... Well, the press is saying one thing, and then the people on Gaff who have played it at, like, you know, like... I mean, like, um, uh, I mean, like at these events and stuff, are all have like you know nothing but like you know high praise for it. So it's hmm. it's in this really weird camp again to kind of like you know to kind of where like Destiny is is to where the press is kind of just like yeah, but like you know most players are all I mean like you know most of them are all just in like you know like you know like I mean like uh, they're just in this like you know yeah it's Halo again you know. So. Well, most most people that I've talked to or at least um, listened to on Twitter. The general consensus is that Destiny is pretty lame, and they're coming to the same conclusion that me and Brian came to with Destiny and the beta, is that there's just not a lot of interesting things or fun things to do in Destiny, and right. uh, from what I've seen, most people are just kind of, like, very lukewarm. Then then there's the there's the crazy people who are like, oh my god, Destiny is the greatest thing in the world, but right, yeah. in, in, Which, in my, from my experience, most people are just kind of passive about Destiny. Um, but I don't, interesting. I don't know about Evil Within. I... Uh, they are showing off so much gameplay footage of that game. They are being very, very, um, what's the word, exuberant with their marketing and advertising. And everything I've seen so far has been pretty cool. Um, Steven, specifically, what do you, what have you heard from about this about Evil Within? Not that you follow it, but I'm guessing you've heard something. Um, it's really just been the slightest murmurs. Like when I hear someone bring it up on a podcast, they'll say it was looking really rough, or the demo, you know, the the visuals seemed kind of under par and the scares seemed predictable, you know, just really basic. This horror game looks like it could be boring kind of stuff. Hmm. But I, what's kind of interesting is I haven't really been following games at all um, recently. In fact, I, for, for a weekend, I decided to just get off of Twitter because there were just too many people arguing on it <laughs> and I just needed a break. Um, and I haven't been on again in two weeks <laughs> it's actually been awesome. I really like not being on Twitter. I love Twitter, but there's something really refreshing about not constantly knowing everyone's opinion about everything at all times. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I I make my entire life business about knowing everybody's opinions at all times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's probably not doing a lot of favors for even like whales or whales. Like it's very helpful to know what people are talking about. So you can talk about it too. It's fun and useful, but I'm just enjoying the break. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's, it's weird that like, I may not play as many games, you know, really, you know, care about like, you know, as I mean, like for me, it's, it's 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 growing more and more to where I don't so much care about the games as much as I care about the culture and the people that surround games. Hmm. And that is what I care more about, and that's kind of why I really, you know, like Twitter and stuff, is that I, you know, get, you know, really this, like, this, like, unfiltered lifeline into the people who make games or, or the people who... who <laughs> Who critique games or those who just play games, and it, there's just like there's just this really neat microcosm of wonder and awfulness that just swirls around. <laughs> that that is that is just so unique to games. And sure, it has been a really rough past you know month, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. But I still find it incredibly fascinating. I'll agree agree with you there. Um... And, of course, there are lots and lots of people I really, really like on Twitter. I have uh, quite a number of people I've met just through that one hub. Um, Yeah, I guess it's just, like, it's a unique form of communication because you're only hearing a sentence or two at a time, but you're hearing it at a constant if you follow as many people as i do and i know zach you probably follow more on a constant basis so if you're checking it all the time people's opinions are being shoved at you at all times Uh, and that can definitely get overwhelming for some people but i'll be back i'm just (laughs) i'll be back someday well do we want to talk about some video games now guys no No, i don't we don't like the video games are lame video games are are we no should instead long- turn this into a podcast about books that are about video games. Oh, oh, I've been reading one of those. 
What a coincidence. Oh, wait, but it's a World of Warcraft book. You guys wouldn't care. Okay, Cameron, what have you been playing? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't care. And Zach, I think you've been reading, um, what is that book called? I've, well, rather, I actually finished up, or right, not finished up, but I rather just, like, finished uh, with Console Wars. That's right. My dad read that, weirdly enough, and I, he thought it was really, really good. Yeah, it's, it is, to me, the most important book about games that has probably, like, ever been written. Cool. Other than the history of Sonic the Hedgehog that I, I have over on my Other than that, Console one, Wars will actually give you a better history of Sonic than, uh, than <laughs> that book right. ever would, because that book is, you know, clearly has been, like, you know, gone over by Sega to make sure that all of the unsavory bits about Sonic's past has been wiped clean. Yes, it's mostly just the very friendly, uh, funny stories yeah. about Sonic used to be green and then he wasn't <laughs> anyway yeah, this the, this book is definitely so i guess one thing that it's like i have a weird but also i guess like obsessive love with like 90s gaming industry like that is like my thing yeah like from like you know 1990 until about like 98 like, that period in time is, like, was, for me, the most amazing time for games, because that was just nothing but, that, that was just, like, you know, nothing but shakeups. That was just, everything was changing. Like, you know, you think gaming is, like, you know, changing now with, like, you know, mobile and everything like that. It has nothing on, you know, games back in the 90s when, I mean, like, you know, from, you know, from, like, uh... From, like, Nintendo owning 90% of the market to Sega coming in and owning 65%, you know, three years later, and then it falling down, and then, you know, Sony rising, and it's just, it's so awesome. And It, it pretty much shaped all of the uh, modern conceits we have about video game industry and culture. Like, yeah. all of the memes and all of the, um, like, just inherent truths of this industry were forged and battled out during that yeah. time. and... You know, it's also really interesting to view it from, like, I guess, like, the game design, you know, kind of perspective, is that, like, you know, pretty much, like, every major genre that we, you know, that we now have, like, you know, today that we all take for granted and we all want or whatever, was, like, really honed and, like, refined during this period. You may, like, you know, think that Call of Duty 4, it, it, like, you know, changed the game, and yes, it did, but, you know... 97 with GoldenEye, and then 98 with Half-Life, like, those are, like, the, like, those are, like, the, those are, like, the cornerstones of the FPS movement. I'd be willing and to those bet that games the original Half-Life was probably, like, the, the most biggest influence. Game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the original Half-Life did something that nothing else had done before, and that was put an actual story in a shooter, which is the birth of Call of Duty, basically, at that point, because Call of Duty is very, very story and, and, uh, cinematic-driven. And before that, we just had things like Doom and Quake, which was just all mostly about shooting with no actual story elements. So I, I totally get you there, actually. And I think I enjoyed my time in the 90s in video games more than I did. I am now enjoying my time in the um, late 2000 or late aught teens, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so I would agree with you because I can remember my, my um, history with the 90s was things like Final Fantasy VIII and Super Mario 64 and freaking Ocarina of Time and... Uh, just Crash Bandicoot and so many freaking fantastic games. And of course, since then, I've had Half-Life 2, Resident Evil 4, um, things like that. But I completely agree with you. I, I think the 90s was a glory age of, of video game entertainment in, in general. Yeah, and just the way that, like, that was also the shift in the market from, like, you know, games were just for kids to games could be for, like, you know, pretty much, like, to where games could, you know, be made for teenagers and then adults, because that was essentially what Sega did. Sega raised the bar a bit in terms of, like, you know, actually marketing games to children who were, you know, like, over the age of eight. Yeah. Like, that was, yeah, that was huge back then, like, you know, since games were always just seen as toys still, until Sega came along and made it not so much about toys, but then got them into some trouble with the government and everything, with the hearings and whatnot, over games being too violent and Sega getting a bit of trouble for publishing Night Trap, even though, <laughs> you know, Night Trap is a worthless piece of garbage. N but, Night Trap is a great game, Zach. You take but, it back. 
but back in the 90s, it was just unheard of to have a, like, you know, slasher film, you know, in game form, and then we get, like, you know, Manhunt 12 years later, so... <laughs> Uh, so are you, st- are you telling me that Sega is to blame for Manhunt? Uh, I would say that Sega opened the gates to to the idea that games could be violent. That games could... Well, edgy. Said, that games could be edgy in general. Games were violent before then, but Nintendo did its best to, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, to, like, white out the, like... I mean, like, uh, when they took over, they made sure to, like not allow certain types of games on their consoles. You Change know, the color that... of the blood, re-crack down on what <laughs> content is appropriate for a Nintendo audience. Yeah, like, they had, as they they made sure that, like, you know, a number of things could not be seen on their console, whereas in Sega, kind of just, you know, through caution to the wind and just kind of, you know, let most things go. Um, they still had, you know, a few reservations. Like, they actually were a little concerned about what Mortal Kombat, you know, would be, but, you know, as soon as they saw it, they just, like, you know, they were, they had to, they had to have this on their machine, and, it, I mean, like, and them, uh, I mean, like, um, uh, them allowing it to be, like, fully um, uh, uncensored on the Genesis was probably, like, one of the one of the biggest, like, uh, contributors to Nintendo growing up, as it were, to them wanting to approach games, you know, that might be, you know, more out of their, like, target, like, audience of, like, you know, of, like, 5 to, like, you know, 12-year-olds, which is what mm-hmm. led to Killer Instinct being made and stuff. I mean, Nintendo was doing some pretty interesting stuff with, like, Super Metroid. Right, um, right, yeah, that game, yeah, like... I mean, like, with Metroid and stuff, it was, those are, I guess, kind of like, those are kind of like, the, like, anomalies. Yeah, that's true. Of that time. (laughs) To where I'm not really sure how they are able to, like, you know, actually have, like, dead bodies lying on the floor in Super Metroid and actually, like, you know, have it. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. Uh, but, I mean, but yeah, like, the console wars is... If you have, like, even, like, a, like, fleeting, like, um, uh, interest in this time period, it is, like, the best possible book that, like, one can read. Do they... Is the Dreamcast too late for them to talk about? Dreamcast, this is actually pretty much up to the launch of the Saturn. Like, okay. Is, that is where the... Because, basically, the book is following the uh, life and career of uh, Joe Kalinske, who was the who was the president of Sega... Uh, from 1990 up until like 96, because oh. he was he he basically was the one who who basically like you know took Sega, uh, who was kind of a joke in the U.S. back in 90, and then you know took them to a household name with Sonic and their you know crazy advertising. I mean, like including actually there's actually like one whole chapter dedicated to the. Um, uh, to the creation of the Sega commercial. Oh, I so, love that. <laughs> so, and hate it. Yeah, so, like, that was, like, like, that was, like, really the creation of, like, one of the first memes in mm-hmm. games, which That's they actually do a, like, you know, big thing about how, like, you know, like, or, I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, like, um, uh, of how he went to his daughter's school to pick them up, and he heard the boys outside just, like, you know, all yelling, Sega. In that high pitched voice, and now just... that this was created, was, was there also a nearby chorus getting in on the action? Or <laughs> that's interesting. I really, yeah, I really should read that book. I've heard yeah. many, many good things yeah. about it, it. It is, I just wow, just everything about that book. Just I love it so much. I just want everybody to read it and just really enjoy it as much as. I mean, like, granted, I know some people might not like it as, like, no much as, yeah, because the the book does get, like, you know, really into, because the the, the the book isn't so much about games as it is the business of making games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, and even then it's, you know, also more about, like, the business of trying to sell games, the business of trying to get people to buy into your brand when your brand is, you know, more or less just a joke. 
But I think that as an, an extra dimension of being a fascinating read, because, you know, why wouldn't you be interested in hearing really crazy business advertising tactics? That's actually more interesting than people give it credit for. But on top of that, the crazy advertising practices that you're learning about are all those games you played when you were a kid, but you had no idea any of this was going on. Yeah. You just yeah. played them because yeah. they were cool. <laughs> Yeah, now you know why you thought they were cool. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely, like, one of the more interesting things, because actually, like, near the end of the book is actually when they get into when DKC was, uh, uh I mean, like, was first launched, and how that was just a huge deal. And that was kind of like the coffin in the nail for Sega, was, you know, due to the SNES having this game that can, like, you know, eke out a few more years of life, you know, from it, whereas in Sega was, like, you know, being forced to, like, you know, push the Saturn now. And, like, you know, sure, it launched, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, it launched first. It was, you know, you know, like, you know, like, it was one of the first, like, in 32-bit consoles on the market. But being first doesn't always make you better. And in the case of the Saturn. It didn't. It make did. You <laughs> <laughs> they launched way too soon. Speaking of which, this episode of Disembodied Voices can be found on the internet right now. Go to the Disembodied Voices website. It's already there. We're announcing it live. This episode is published. <laughs> and what's funny about that is that in the book, they actually have it set up to where, like, Kalinsky actually, like, you know, had the Saturn pegged for a September launch on a day that he had dubbed Sega Saturn, like, day. That, like, you know, this was <laughs> yep. this was what he wanted. And then, like, the day before, like, um, uh, E3, the, um, uh, the very first one, mind you, um, uh, he actually was going to announce, you know, uh, like, you know, the price and launch of the Saturn for that day in September, and his boss from Japan flies in and basically tells him o over dinner, uh, yeah, no, like, you're launching... It, 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 or, 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 I mean, like, he told him that, like, you know, like, they're launching in stores this week, and they're announcing it is in stores, you know, it, like, during the press conference, and, like, he fought tooth and nail to, to change, you know, like, his mind, and just, he didn't win, and that was essentially what made him quit. Was oh, just wow. I didn't like, actually know that. So the Saturn basically was doomed from the beginning because of the ja of the ja that Japanese president guy. Basically. Uh, Sega of Japan did everything in its power to essentially like sabotage like Sega. Yeah, uh, here in the U.S., like they were the ones who basically made Sega the success that it was, and Sega uh, of Japan never was a success. And, like, you know, whether it be jealousy or, like, you know, like, what have you, they essentially ran them into the ground. So, you know, Sega actually probably might have been still around if if it wasn't for Sega uh, of Japan essentially mucking with all of their plans. All right, so I'm going to have to go ahead and read this book now. <laughs> That's really interesting. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to try it for a while, and I think I'll put that on my Amazon list sometime soon. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think that's kind of one reason why it's tempting to say, oh, video games, they just aren't as interesting these days. They used to be cooler back in the 90s <laughs> and the 2000s. I think part of that is because the industry is just really big and spread out right now, and if you follow, like, the main stuff, like the mainstream video games, you're pretty much just getting what you've had for the last 10 years. Um, you know, the Xbox and the PlayStation just haven't changed since their last incarnations. Um, unlike when you could say, oh man, Sony has Metal Gear and Nintendo has Ocarina of Time and look, it's this new Xbox thing. That just isn't really happening right now. There isn't, you know, Sega isn't out there anymore. Instead, what you kind of have to do is say, all right, I'm going to get really into early access games on Steam, or I really like the whole MMO landscape, or I'm following Nintendo on the Wii U and 3DS. Like, there are a bunch of different things going on at the same time. Uh, you kind of have to hunt out for the parts you like. At least that's how I see it. I think a lot of it has changed most a lot because of um, the fact that almost anyone can make a game nowadays. 
Yeah. And so we have just so many freaking games to play all the time. PS4 now has indie developer support way better than PS3 did. And there's just so many games to play at any given time ever. And it's kind of hard to deal with it all. It's like we're oversaturating. So, Cameron, how are you dealing with the oversaturation of video games? What are you playing? Well, I'm doing very badly with oversaturation because I just end up playing nothing. But I did play two things. What are the two things? The first thing I played was the Super Smash Bros. 3DS demo. <gasps> and I, I can't wait for Zachary that game. did too, correct? I played it and gave my roommate some demos and put one code up on Twitter and got swarmed by a hive of like really angry people on Twitter all wanting to I remember code. that. Oh man, Zach, you should have given it to the podcast so we could have done the Hearthstone thing again. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't want to do that again. Um, so did you guys like it? I did like it. The The demo gives you Link, Mario, Villager, uh, Mega Man, and Pikachu. Wow. Um, but the only you can only do two-minute Smash. Uh, that's it. Ah, no, no stock. No stock. Yeah. And that's kind of a bummer, because I don't even like time Smash. That yeah, much. me neither. Um, but I played the first couple of rounds, and I was like, eh, you know, it's Smash Brothers. It's kind of like Brawl. I didn't really like Brawl. And then I played some more, and then I ended up playing, like, two hours on Time Smash. And I was beating yep. level 9 computers, and it was awesome. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. I like this. And I'm playing it on a portable, laying in my bed under my covers. This is, this is rocking. So I liked it, and I'm probably going to buy it. Go ahead, Zach. What do you think about yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have the benefit of living with a fighting game freak, like, you know, like, right next door to me mm-hmm. and or uh, okay like you know not so much next door to me like i actually live with him and he is just like down the actually not even down the hall just like i i take like one step out of my room and his room is right there uh he is big into fighting games and he absolutely hates brawl uh, <laughs> and, and he likes super smash and melee yes he okay yes, he, he does like melee but just like seeing him squeal with delight over, like, all of the improvements made in this game is kind of more fun than playing the game itself. <laughs> oh, man, that makes me so happy, though. <laughs> I don't hate Super Smash Brawl, but I view it as an inferior product to its predecessor. Yeah, like, he is just absolutely in love with what he has right now, and, like, like the past two days has just been him talking about how Link is viable finally for once <laughs> in his life and he's just so happy about it that's amazing yeah it's it's funny to hear that from someone who takes the game so seriously because so often i just hear people say oh super dash bros is it's not a real fighting game it's whatever i guess it's a fun party game and i'll buy the game just because why not everyone plays super smash bros but i think it's a really good like tactical game too i mean i'm not saying it's it's virtual fighter or nothing but hey I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of No Items Final Destination. I like that stuff. Whereas, I'm not a huge fan of it, but, like, you know, I can definitely see the, like, appeal of it. Whereas, you know, I'm more of just, like, you know, the classical, more of, like, the party game, you know, version of Smash. Which is also totally fine. Like, both are fun. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, that... That's kind of where I lie, although I mo- I mostly lie, though, in just, I guess, like, the single-player, you know, modes in Smash have always been fun to me. Yes. So, like, I actually love, that, you know, like, you know, what they're doing with, like, the melding of the single-player and the multiplayer in the new game with, um, uh, with the Smash Run mode that, you know, has you doing, like, you know, like, the adventure mode for Melee for, for five minutes to get all kinds of buffs and then go into... Like, you know, five-stock match with your friends. Like, that's just super cool. Isn't that just for 3DS version or something? Yes. Hmm, That's weird. So, I don't know what they're going to be doing with the Wii U version, but I'm hoping that there's some kind of, like, you know, like Dynasty Warriors-like, you know, mode or something that'd be... No. (laughs) No, now you're getting me excited. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) They just make, like, a Musou game that is just, like, all the characters from Smash just going in and just full, like... In just this weird, like, full, like, 3D battlefield or something. If I Hyrule... just make, like, a Streets of Rage kind of game or something. The... I mean, like, you know, some fighting games do that. They, like, you know, have the core game and then they have oh, this, like, you know, side scroll. Terrible. 
No, I'm not meaning Tekken Six. I'm I'm meaning more like you know like I'm meaning more with like Guilty Gear, like um, oh. uh, Isuka or something that has you know like just the side scrolling like beat 'em up side game on top of the core fighting game. It can be a fun addition. I agree with that. I thought I think Subspace Emissary from Brawl was kind of lame. Sort of, <laughs> but it was a cool attempt. It was yeah, a great it was. Story, at least. It, it was. It was really bizarre, and I'm sort of happy that they are getting rid of it. Although the reason for it is really lame, but like, oh yeah, <laughs> I about of that. him just complaining about people put the cutscenes up on YouTube like. So what? And meanwhile, they're announcing every single character <laughs> right. possibly going to be unlocked yeah. in this game. Oh, man. Yeah, which actually was actually, like, really funny uh, last week in with the Treehouse stream. Wait, about did they announce any new stuff? Because since they, I've been off Twitter, I might actually be surprised. Uh, no, but... So, like, the full roster is, like, you know, now known thanks to people getting it in Japan. Um, My last but, update was Duck Hunt Dog. Is there anything newer than that? Uh, Bowser Jr. Oh, I knew of that. Don't actually yeah. tell me, though. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> but I knew about but Bowser yeah. Jr. I yeah. don't like him very much. <laughs> but yeah, so basically what was funny, though, is that, like, you know, they actually, you know, somehow made the game special to where, like, no characters or stages, like, you know, like, would unlock over the course of the day. I mean, like, you know, like... Because apparently they are, like, you know, like, um, uh, or, since apparently the Treehouse is operating under the assumption that nobody knows the full roster yet, even though we knew it two full days, like, before their stream started. Well, they... So it was a little weird uh, mm. about them, like, you know, all acting, like, you know, like, all, like, you know, like, hush-hush all throughout the entire, li- and, like, you know, like, you know, like, um, an eight-hour stream, but... You know what would be kind of a neat idea? Um, is if they kept certain characters or stages locked until a certain day, like two weeks into the launch, oh. and then everyone at the same time would pop up and say, new challenger approaches! Uh, there already is something like that. Um, there are rumors that are fairly, sub- that are fairly substantiated by now uh, that say that you will unlock four new characters if you buy both the Wii U and, um, uh, and 3DS versions, and then link them up. Well, there is no danger of me not doing that. Also, <laughs> what about the, um, what are they called? Amiibo? Yes. Amiibos. I yes. want to buy all of them. What about I you guys? I want to buy most of them. Well, not, okay, not most of them. I basically just want the Peach, the Link, and the Samus. That's pretty Peach much Peach looks awesome. I don't I am literally in awe of Peach. Good. I thought you were saying something, Cameron. No, I was just saying I don't really care about those little figurines at all. Oh, dear. I care deeply. But they're so yeah. cool because they'll give you things in the game, and then you can put them on your desk. <laughs> yeah, I probably am not going to, like, really use them for, like, you know, like, um, the game stuff, but I kind of just want to buy them just to have them because they're really cool, and they're actually, like, pretty well-made little figurines, so... I mean, you 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 consider that there are the two games for Super Smash Bros. and then all of the figures, which probably comes out of like one hundred twenty dollars to get them all. Oh, jeez! And, and then be making more and more. Of them I'll too. need that new 3DS so I can put the figures on it and have the good controls and everything. And all that together is going to be a very expensive video game experience for yeah, me. Yeah, this is Nintendo. I think you know. I'm pretty sure that now they have, like, you know, no more, uh, I guess, like, illusion about, like, you know, like, I mean, like, of them capturing the casual market anymore. So, so like, you know, <laughs> yes. they just, they are just going to double down on, like, you know, those of us who can't help ourselves but buy all their stuff. And right now, they're very, very much targeting towards people like me. <laughs> I mean, with all the stuff they showed at E3 and all the Super Smash Bros., I mean, like... Most of the games I'm looking forward to are coming from Nintendo at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's that's pretty much like the next year is just nothing but stuff from them. Nintendo, all I want, and it feels weird to be this excited about their stuff again. Yeah, it's after awesome. So long to where I was, you know, maybe buying a lot in like you know one game from, in like you know one game from them a year. I'm gonna be able to like rent a Nintendo employee with my Club Nintendo points. <laughs> that would be a pretty interesting surprise. 
So, speaking of interesting surprises, Cameron, what is your second game you've been playing? Oh, well, not nearly as exciting, unfortunately. Um, Dead Rising 3 uh, on the PC came uh, out uh, like a week and a half ago or something. And, uh, I've been really do you have... I, I forgot. Do you have one of the new consoles yet? No, I do not. Oh. Okay, because for a second I'm like, wait, are you playing on the Xbox One? Wait, you have an Xbox One? <laughs> no, <laughs> got, the got confused. PC version came out, which is kind of the point of the whole story, um, yeah. is that the PC version is terrible. Oh no! It's yeah, just I the actually worst. heard about that. Um, I, the game is actually really fun. I played maybe uh, an hour of it, but apparently, if you people who bought the game outside of Steam, like if they bought it on Green Man Gaming, like I did, or Amazon, or wherever, um, for some reason, only those people are having constant crashes in order so much so that you can't even play the game. I'm not really sure how. Buying from a different retailer means a different version of the game, and that's no, that's very weird. Odd. Um, but developers confirmed it, and there's been no fix for it for a week and a half. So I've played an hour, and I really want to play more, and I can't because it just keeps on crashing over and over and over. That is wow, man. Capcom apparently doesn't care about the. I PC thought they audience. were getting better at the whole PZ thing. Yeah, but... I mean, like it seemed that they were the past. You know, like few releases were actually like you know like really solid ports, and then apparently Dead Rising Three, they they just don't care. Apparently, the t- um, let's see, upcoming fixes. Yeah, so they are going to be fixing the crash that I'm talking about as soon as possible, quote-unquote, but since the release a week and a half ago, there's only been one update, so it'll probably be a while for the next update, so I can actually play a stupid game that I bought. Bummer. Oh, well. At least you... I mean, there are lots of zombie games, Cameron. Just play a different one. (laughs) Yeah, but this one is actually really special. uh, Dead Rising 2. (laughs) Yeah! Dead Rising 2! I can't deal with Dead Rising 1 because of the awful save system, and I can't deal with Dead Rising 2 because of the awful time system. Well, there's probably going to be some awful system in this game that you're going to have to get over. So wait, does 3 not have an awful save system and or time system? No, neither, so far, anyways. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, there's there's I kind of figured that that was kind of the point of those games, is like, you know, hey, kill zombies until you get killed by somebody blowing up your town. Well, granted, I haven't gotten far enough in the game that I'm out of the freaking prologue yet, because it keeps on crashing oh, okay. times, but right. so far, there hasn't been too much, uh, there's definitely the, the saves are just auto-saves, like uh, a regular game, <laughs> and uh, I haven't noticed any time frame stuff, so who knows. Regardless, the game has been better received than the other two Dead Risings anyway, so I've enjoyed myself quite a lot, when I can freaking play it. Right. So, But that's all I've been doing, really, unfortunately. Not a whole lot. Hey, two hours of Super Smash Bros. is more exciting than anything I've been playing. Actually, that's a lie. Mrs. Pandaria is pretty awesome. Is but, it? Um, no, 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 <laughs> Joe, like Cameron. This I is, like how condescending that was. Is it, is it really? Is it really, Cameron? <laughs> it's in short. It's it's the greatest World of Warcraft has been since it was launched. Right. I'm, I'm really, really that. enjoying myself. I want to live in Pandaria. All right, that's a little <laughs> excessive there, bro. Nope, I actually want to live in Pandaria. No, you don't. Yep, I do. Even though I don't drink, and that might be a problem. Because yeah, this game is rated T for blood, violence, and use of alcohol! <laughs> I was fighting beer spirits. Yeah, huh. Wait, beer spirits? Beer spirits. Like, there are elemental spirits in the World of Warcraft, and I went to... A brewery, a brewery, brewery was a dungeon, and all of the Hosen monkey people were drunk and having a party, and there were beer spirits, which I had to destroy. There was a beer spirit monster boss. So, would it be possible to condense these spirits into bottles and therefore, and then? And Yuck! And that was a quest, and someone did. I kind of want to live there now too. <laughs> uh, you people. Uh, but uh, but Cameron I do not want to be a furry panda bear I I just want to be a drunk white guy in China (laughs) well that can probably be arranged actually (laughs) (laughs) you don't need no video games for that but yeah but no I won't get into detail with Pandaria because I know neither of you care about World of Warcraft but it's actually one of those very very rare magical moments in games where I'm just um, in love with everything, the music, the environment. It's one of the most 
beautiful and magical and kind of emotionally moving places I've been in a video game ever. Um, and it's bringing all the things that I used to love about World of Warcraft. It's open-ended again. It's slightly challenging again. It's just the very best. I'm so glad I got this far in the well, game. Well, on, be- so. on behalf of both me and Zach, we can say that we're just super bitterly happy for you. Thank you. As <laughs> as bitter as a storm stout, stout brew. Good, good, um, good one. So we actually have to end this podcast now. Okay. Oh, Sorry, Zach. Did you have anything super exciting to talk about? I basically have just been reading books all week. Great. <laughs> That's surprisingly intelligent for our cast of uh, members. But they have all been books about video games, so I, I don't know exactly like how uh, how intelligent I actually stack up. I have been members. reading the the Mists of Pandaria book and Jane Austen, so I am very uh, sorry. <laughs> I have very specific. Cases. That is a. That is a peculiar combination. It it sure but is. I okay. Yeah, I cannot wait until you start to like you know like mix up the two and you right have like fiction. you know like Victorian pandas walking around. Uh, they kind of already did the Victorian thing. In our- <laughs> so anyway, thank you everyone for joining us for Disembodied Voices episode one hundred forty one. Assuming that's what this episode is, I'm just going by memory. <laughs> um. I had a fun time. Everyone else did, too. I'm just going to assume that as well. Uh, you should probably go to our website, thedvcast.com, if you want to, you know, hang out or go on iTunes and look for Dozen by Voices. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're really I've been... great at these outros. Yeah, uh, thanks, Cameron. At least I, I'm a little more concise than Brian. You had to give me that. I guess. Uh, my name is Steven. I was the host today. Don't worry. I won't be the host next week. Um... There's also been Cameron. Thank you for coming, Cameron. I had a blast. Thanks for inviting me and making time for me with my crazy schedule. You're very welcome. The pleasure was all mine. The pleasure was also Zachary's. Yeah, my yeah. Thanks for you, thanks for making time with my non-existent schedule. <laughs> and now I need to make me jealous. Zach. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you guys are playing. Give me time. a job, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I need to plan. And execute a meeting in one and a half minutes. So, goodbye, everyone. Okay. Let me just stop you. That.